Our scripture this morning comes to us from the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John, beginning in the 19th verse. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word this morning. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks on his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with him. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Holy Spirit, come. Come and dwell in this place. Please take the words I have humbly prepared and make them the message you would have for this people in this time and in this place. Jesus, meet us here and open our hearts and ears for the message that you have for us this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This might be a silly question, but how many of you have ever been to the Alamo? Right? Good. And you get there and you're like, oh. Right? So you're looking at the Alamo, and then directly behind you, right, is the Ripley's Believe It or Not, right? How many of you have been in there? Oh, some of you. Great. Good. I have not, but I want to go the next time I'm in San Antonio because I hear that the Ripley's Believe It or Not is this museum that is full of oddities and full of statues of people with weird stuff, right? Like, I think I, I looked it up last night on the internet, and the guy that is there now is a statue of this 1,400-pound man, right? 
And then there's the bearded lady, right? And then there's the tallest man in the world who is almost nine feet tall. It's really weird stuff that you have to see to believe. Or how about those TV shows that show cars and trucks crashing into each other and blowing up? Or my favorite is the one with the speedboats and the regatta, and they're going around and around and around a lake, and there's like a ramp, right? And they're going 100 miles an hour, and the speedboat goes over the ramp and goes and blows up, right? And then the driver gets out, and he's like, I'm okay. And you're like, really? That is not possible. I wouldn't believe it if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes. You get the point, right? I think perhaps that the Gospel of John could have coined that phrase, I have to see it to believe it, because that is what the entire book of John is all about. It's about seeing signs and wonders that Jesus did in order that those who saw those signs could believe. This gospel, the gospel of John, is written by one of the original 12. It was written by John. And it's the same John that we know as the beloved disciple or the one that Jesus loved. He also was probably the youngest disciple who had followed Jesus around. It's the same John that wrote those tiny little letters in the end of the New Testament, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and also the book of Revelation. John has the heart of an evangelist with a capital E because he wrote this gospel for those whose faith was new or whose faith was weak or misguided or whose faith was in need of growth. He wrote the book to encourage believers and to lead people to faith in Jesus Christ. Our story from this morning comes from the 20th chapter of this gospel. And it takes place both on the Sunday of the resurrection of Jesus and also a week later. And many of us have heard this story before, but for those who haven't, it's the well-known story of Doubting Thomas. Thomas was one of the original 12. He was also called Didymus, and that means twin. And tradition says that he was called twin because he looked an awful lot like Jesus, right? Which could have been why on the night of the Last Supper, Judas had to kiss Jesus because they didn't know which one he was because they looked so much alike. That's what tradition says. Um, Thomas doesn't appear very much in the Gospels at all. Um, We find him in the lists of apostles, but we don't know how he came to become a follower of Jesus. And the place where he's most well-known is the place where he gets this nickname, Doubting Thomas. He is making a statement I think any of us would have made, given the situation. He said, I have to see it to believe it. I think he was being asked to believe the impossible. I mean, imagine yourself in his situation. His beloved teacher and friend who he had followed around for years, was dead. I mean, we're 72 hours out from the crucifixion here. He was grieving. His friend and teacher had been brutally beaten and crucified. I mean, he had watched the body being wrapped 
and put in the tomb and the stone. He was probably still in shock from the whole thing. They probably all were. And then he was out somewhere, away from the other disciples, and the disciples were all in the room. And when Thomas gets back from being out, all the disciples say, Thomas, Thomas, you'll never believe what happened. Jesus appeared to us. He appeared to us when you were out. And Thomas is probably like, really? I mean, come on, he's in the tomb, guys. And he says, I won't believe until I put my hands in his hands and put my finger in his side. I need to see it to believe it. And I can imagine myself saying something similar. And I don't think that that is called doubting. Do you? I mean, when Jesus appeared to his disciples, he willingly, here, here's my hands and here's my side. And he showed the disciples. And Thomas didn't get that opportunity the first time around. And he's just asking for the same evidence that the other disciples already had. See, Thomas is being asked to see without believing, and he's not going for it. Um, consequently, did you know that the word doubt doesn't actually appear in the Greek? The word that appears is apostos. Say it with me, apostos. Apostos. Right? That word means unbelieving. So doubting, Thomas, is a mistranslation of the word. The word to doubt, distazo, doesn't appear in these verses. Jesus doesn't tell Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Jesus says, stop unbelieving and believe. However you would like to translate it, Thomas is famous for being doubtful, and I think that that is a real shame because Thomas is so much more than that. Earlier in the book of John, chapter 11, in the story of Lazarus, you could call him Courageous Thomas, right? Because Lazarus, Lazarus, sorry, um, Lazarus has died, and they're going um, because they're upset, and Thomas says, oh, that I could die with him. You know, I want to do it. So he's courageous in that moment. And then in John chapter 14, Jesus is telling the disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Thomas was a little confused, right? Confused Thomas at this point, because he says, oh, Lord, how do we get there? Right? And Jesus was talking about heaven. <laughs> and he was a little confused about why, what, what Jesus was meaning. I mean, this guy was just being honest, I think, about what he didn't understand. Poor Thomas. He's really gotten a bad rap for being, well, human. And if we're honest, I think that there's a little bit of Thomas in each one of us. So it's a week later. A week after the first Easter today, if you will, and Jesus appears again to the disciples. And this time Thomas was there. And Jesus says to Thomas, touch my hands and my side. Now, we don't know if Thomas actually did touch the risen flesh of Jesus, but we know in that moment that Jesus offered himself 
to Thomas. And Thomas made the greatest confession of faith recorded in the New Testament, saying, my Lord and my God. He believed without question or reservation. He recognized Jesus as Messiah, Son of God, Lord and Savior. He believed and in that moment became believing Thomas. But this story really isn't about Thomas. It's about Jesus and what Jesus did in order for Thomas to believe. The crucified and risen Jesus gave Thomas what he needed. Jesus met Thomas where he was. There was no condemnation for his unbelief, no condemnation for his questioning, only reassurance and love and grace. And Jesus offers us the very same thing. The crucified and risen Jesus offers us himself so that we might believe, so that we might cry out, my Lord and my God. Jesus gives us what we need. He meets us where we are on our faith journey. There's no condemnation for our unbelief or for our questioning, only reassurance of his love and of his grace. And that, my friends, is good news. That, my friends, is the message of the gospel. That is the whole reason we celebrate Easter. The life, the dying, the rising again of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus is accessible to us. He is near he wants us to know him, to know his love and his grace. And when we falter, he meets us where we are. He picks us up, he dusts us off, and he spurs us on to deeper and deeper faith, transforming us, making us new, giving us new life in him. His love transforms us, transforms us into the men and women that God created to be. And Jesus walks with us as we continue to be transformed by his love each and every day. And Jesus puts people and things in our lives to help strengthen and sustain our faith and keep it going. I mean, it could be as simple as hearing a song on the radio or having a conversation with someone. It could be an experience of worship or a retreat. Maybe it's a person. I mean, it could be that youth pastor that made such a huge impact on your life when you were a teenager. Or perhaps it was one of your parents that encouraged your faith when you were in college and a young adult. Or it could be one of your kids encouraging your faith. Or a total stranger in the grocery line creating a spark of faith in you. Maybe it's a book. A book you've been reading creating faith. Sometimes, though, in my humanness, I wonder, why? 
why does Jesus do this? I mean, why would he go to all the time and effort? Well, it's pretty simple. It's love. He loves us. And he wants us to love him back. He wants us to share his love with others. He wants everybody, not just in this room, but like all the way out there, everybody to love him back. He wants everybody to declare, my Lord and my God. Jesus wants his love spread around and our faith to be contagious. He wants us to have contagious faith. He wants us to share our faith, just like those original disciples did. And so he's given us a traveling partner. He's given us the advocate, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit to go with us. When Jesus appeared to the disciples on that Easter evening, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That word breathe hearkens to the word ruach, which is how God breathed on creation when God created. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. He sent them out from that room with the locked door, out into a world to be transformational in a world that needed to be transformed. He sent them out to share his love and their faith with anyone and everyone that they came in contact with. And they did. And we have letters to show for it and oral tradition to show for it. Our friend Thomas, you know, the believer Thomas, eventually made it to India on the southwest coast, probably by way of the Silk Road, in the year 52 AD. Tradition says that Thomas converted a small group of 12, and that group multiplied over and over and over and over again, so much so that by the time Thomas was martyred 20 years later, there were over 15,000 believers in that place. And now, this is too good to share with you. I was preaching at the 9.30 service, and there was a woman that was visiting. She's Indian. She said, I'm a descendant of those Christians. This is real stuff. That faith, that contagious faith. The rest of the disciples spread the gospel message in Jerusalem and the regions of Palestine and in Rome and in Asia, which is modern-day Turkey, and in Scythia, which is modern-day Ukraine, and Russia above the Black Sea. Everywhere they went, they shared the good news of Jesus Christ, of his life, his death, his glorious resurrection, his love. Everywhere they went, people believed. And it continued and continued and continued and continued. And here we are, generations away from those first disciples, still trusting and believing in the same Jesus who lived, who died, who is risen. We have not got to set our eyes 
on the actual risen Christ like the disciples did in the flesh. But yet, we believe in him. And we are blessed because we believe in him. We have become believing just like Thomas. And we have experienced the love and the grace and the compassion of Jesus our Lord. And we have faith. Faith that is strengthened by the resurrection stories we find in here and the testimonies of the disciples. And now, now it's our turn. It's our turn to be sent out as the disciples were. When we experience the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus and we come to faith in him, we receive the Holy Spirit like the disciples did. We're breathed on and we receive the Holy Spirit. And it is our turn to tell about the life and the death and the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. It's our turn to share our faith with our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, family. It's our turn to tell how we've been made new, how loved we are by the risen Christ. And Jesus has prepared us. He's filled us up with love and grace, and he sends with us our traveling partner, the Holy Spirit. Friends, let us go and share this good news. Easter people, let us go. Let us go. Amen.